0: We need to to just dive right in. Uh, Go ahead and turn back, if you would, to Acts chapter 15, where I was this morning, Acts chapter 15. Uh, I I wish we were able to stay for uh, the rest of the meeting this week. And, you know, I I love mission conferences. And uh, there's a a different, they just have a different feel, a different flavor. Um, And uh, I, I love it. Um, I, I do want to kind of jump right in. I, I don't want to spend. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on the negative here. I, again, what what we have to understand that the longer that I'm saved and the longer that I uh, study and preach and the more I learn about the Bible, I want, one the, the more I realize how little I actually know of it. Um, but it, it's amazing to me. Uh, it's, it's amazing to me the, how simple some things are. In Scripture, uh, but also what what God thought necessary for us to know um, about the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable uh, for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction and righteousness. Uh, every single word that we have inspired in our Bible is there with a significant reason and, and what God and with all of his infinite knowledge, what he thought it necessary for us to learn and to know uh, and to know about people's mistakes and their successes and their failures—it uh, blows my mind. Uh, the, the, more, the more and more that I get into it, but the thought of this has really, <clears throat> has really gripped me. Our life is, our life is basically about missions, uh, trying to partner with missionaries. Uh, trying to get them the tools that they need to be successful on the field, so that even if they have to come home, uh, the the converts that are there have the word of God, so they can have a truly indigenous uh, church that can stand without uh, the the missionary being there uh, when they come home. And uh, so I, I'm very in it when God preserves something in here about missions. I'm very interested in it. And uh, the, the thought with this church here, this was what we think of as uh, what would become the model church uh, for missions. And here at the very beginning, as they're get, just getting started, uh, it, it's amazing that the, the expression history repeats itself. Man, is that ever so true. Uh, and one of the reasons why I believe that's the case in this sense is because we have one adversary. It's, it's Satan. Uh, that, that is who our, our our enemy is. That's who we're up against. Guess who their adversary was? Same, same, same adversary. Um, guess what his approach was in trying to stop? It, it was the spread of the gospel. Uh, he did not want the rest of the world hearing what Jesus had just done on Calvary. So he's coming at it. Uh, and and there's, there's something Satan knows. Uh, one is he knows this, if a person has truly put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we've accepted Jesus as our personal Savior. He knows, Satan knows he cannot get our soul. That's sealed. That's sealed uh, by the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, that's a done deal. He can't, he can't get our soul, but he can cause us to be ineffective. Uh, he can cause us to be fruitless. And that's the ground that we see taking place in this chapter. Again, this is the church. These were the people that uh, God had touched their lives so much that it affected the outside so much that the world looked at them and said, you guys remind us of Christ. And they were called little Christians. First, talking about this crowd uh, that that we find in Acts 15. Uh, The ones that sent out the missionaries, Paul and Barnabas, uh, were out of this church. And uh, this was the church that was literally, end up turning the world upside down. It uh, was this, this crowd. And Satan was doing everything he could do to stop that and, and, and to cut that tree off at the roots. Um, and and the, 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 what God preserves in here, we see what his attack was. He was coming at it, um, trying to spread false doctrine amongst the church. Get them confused. Uh, because if if they were not going to be united in an effort, they were going to be less powerful. And and we understand that. There's a whole lot of things that we can go to that would illustrate that. But what he's trying to do is bust that apart and to get people where they were not settled on a solid foundation. Um, And uh, so that was the first approach. Then the next thing was, look what it says in verse number 10. This is where Peter's address when he stands up and is addressing this. But for the sake of time, he jumps in and and names another thing. He says, Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? He's saying, you're putting such requirements on on these converts over here that are trying to serve God. And the requirements you're placing on them are so high and so over the top, our own forefathers couldn't even live up to it, neither can we. But you're telling these people that God can't use them because they can't, basically, they can't measure up. They can't live it. And they're stifling that. Can I tell you this? That's still being lied. People are being lied about that in their hearts and minds. Even sitting in our pews, I promise you, I promise you, probably somebody sitting here this morning has already had that thought. God can't use me. Do you know who I am? Do you know what I've done? Do you know where I've come from? God can't use me. that That's what was being spread to this these church people. Again, trying to keep them from being the vessels that God wanted them to use. Uh, there, there's other principles. I wish we had time to go to it. Um, one of the, look at the conclusion. I, I like this. I will mention it. Uh, look at what he says over in um, verse, number tw- verse number 20. He says, Well, verse 19, it says, Wherefore, my sentence is that we trouble not them, which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions. And it goes on, it says, For Moses of old, verse 21, For Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. Then it pleased the apostles and it goes on. What he's saying is this, folks, we know what the truth is. We're not being confused. We're not being led astray because we have it in writing. We, we, moses we we have what the Word of God at that time it's imprint it's in re- it's being read uh every week in the synagogues we have it, so we have the truth they're being confused they're being lied to they're being led astray because they don't have the truth the and the solution that he gave was we need to put it what we know in writing we need to pin it down, and they did that over uh, on over in verse number uh Verse number 30, you find it says that when they delivered the epistle, verse 31, which when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. When they got the answer from God in writing, it brought great consolation and peace to what was troubling their heart. See, And, and the principle is this. As God's people, we must take what we have been given and pass it on. We must take what we have been given and pass it on. That's the principle of all the things that could have been recorded. That's one of the things that is said about these people that we have it in writing. They need it over there. The only way they're going to get it is if somebody pins it down and they put it in print and passed it on. Now, here's the thing. Here's what I want us to think about this morning. I don't want to think about a lot of the negative stuff because we are seeing numbers dwindle in missions. Satan is being effective. There is a falling away that the Bible tells us about. But folks, we have to understand this. We are never, ever, as Christians, supposed to sit on our hands, idle, and watch it happen. Our charge and our commission does not change. And what I love about this is the, the solution. Here's the thing. They were being lied to about the message. How, they, how were they going to stand on truth when they were wondering what the truth was? That, that's the whole context of the chapter there. We don't want we don't we want to know the answer. We're sending people for the answer. I love this about this. We're talking about the very essence of missions. What is missions at its very core? Very simply, it's introducing the world to our Lord. But look at how simple this is. And it's outlined. I mean, it's straight in Scripture. We're just going to mention it and look at them. Principles in Scripture. Look at verse verse number 18. It says, known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. God knew what his plan of salvation was going to be. This didn't take God by surprise. God knew from the beginning how, how salvation was going to be made available to his creation. Look at what he says. Verse number eight, principles with missions. Verse number eight, it says this, and what's the next word? God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness. The principle, for, for starters, that we have to understand is salvation is from God. All, every culture known to man has something that they worship. They worship something. And it's anything that a human mind can imagine, they'll worship it. Why? Trying to satisfy that hollow, empty feeling that is in, in each and every one of the, God's creation. Everyone knows that they're missing something. There's something where they fall short. So they come up with some, some program, some belief, trying to satisfy that troubled spirit in, within them, that troubling in their heart. And they'll worship anything. It could be trees, it could be crocodiles, it could be animals, it could be Anything. And folks, what we have to understand is God's plan of salvation that we have been given the responsibility to pass on starts with simply saying this, uh, the salvation plan we want to share with you didn't come up by a convention it didn't come up by a committee. It's not an organizational motto. This isn't this is literally something that God originated it. God's the one that came up. This is a, the plan from God is a message of salvation that will apply to everybody. Look at the next thing. It goes right into that. It says verse 8. Says giving them the Holy Ghost even as he did unto us <laughs> it's available to everybody. God gave it to the Jews back over there and he's saying, "Uh, it's my testimony, I'm Peter, God sent me to the Gentiles to preach the message of salvation, I didn't want to go, I had to see the vision three times to get me to do it, but I went. And my, to my amazement, when I began to go out there to them and introduce them to my Lord and Savior, guess what he had the audacity to do? He saved them when they called on him, the same as he did to us. That God was the same. Look at what he says, verse 9, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. That God viewed salvation was the same for everybody. We don't have to know in our minds. Man, I thank God, but the Flick, I thank God that there's not an IQ test that has to be taken for God to use us. I thank God that there's not an academic test that I have to take. A certain level of scholastic aptitude that I had to have reached before God could use my life to touch somebody. I thank God that there's not an amount of money on a balance sheet that I have to reach before God can use me. No, God wants to use all of us. In this. Here's the thing that's so awesome. I don't have to memorize five billion different plans of salvation. One that works for an accountant that will also work for a lawyer. But here's a doctor over here. Somebody else that God, God will save them a different way. Oh, they're in Papua New Guinea? Well, they need another message. No, it's the same message. Because from the same God, it came from the beginning of time. God knew it before we were even created what his plan was going to be. It's God's plan that we are commanded to simply share. It's the same for everybody. All we got to do is share it the same we got to share it. Look at what else. Not only is it there for everybody, uh, it, well, I love it too. It, it'll work every time. It'll work every time. If we will simply come to the place where we know we need a Savior and we will call upon our Lord. Look at what he says. I love this. Verse number, verse number nine, and put no difference between us and them. Now here's, look at salvation the same way purifying their hearts by what? Faith. (laughs) Wasn't by a bunch of works that they had to do. Wasn't by a list of commandments that they had to keep. Wasn't by a whole uh, pasture full of animals to sacrifice. No. God's plan was salvation by faith. Look at what he says, verse number 11. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved... (laughs) look at the next three words even as they he's saying we found out as Gentiles we found out that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ he saved us the same way see the essence of missions is simply introducing the world to our God it's that simple there's not a plan B it really is that simple just telling others about our Lord telling them introducing him uh, look at looks. Look at verse number nineteen. Number nineteen it says, "Wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them, which from among the Gentiles, what's the next word, are turned to God." Uh, here, here's here's the thought with that. They didn't need to be introduced to the plan of salvation. These people had already accepted Jesus. The Jerry, what you're saying, very simply, this salvation's a starting point, folks. Salvation's the beginning. That's not God's ended plan. Do you understand what I'm saying? Salvation's how we get birthed into the family of God. God's plan is never, has never been for us to stay as little babies. We're supposed to grow. See. Salvation happens the second that we accept Jesus as our Savior, we put our faith and trust in Him. That blood's applied to our account, our sins are forgiven, washed away as far as East is from the West, never to be remembered again. Thank the Lord for that. That salvation is something that happens instantly at that point. God does that. Sanctification is a process. Sanctification is God taking the word of God in revealing as we go through it with the Holy Spirit of God, takes His precious book and reveals things in our lives that doesn't look like Jesus. And as we respond correctly to that, and we ask Him to forgive us for those things, and we rely on His strength to help us set those things aside in our lives, and we put Him first, that's how He sets us apart for service. These people were Christians. They had heard the gospel. They put their faith and trust in Jesus. They were wanting to serve effectively. That's the sanctification. And for that to happen, they had to receive God's directions in writing to have it. Folks, here's our responsibility. As much as that was true for them, that's true for us. We cannot uh, let me even say it more emphatically. It is 100 percent physically impossible for me as a Christian to be what God wants me to be if I'm not in the word of God. How were these Christians? Their, their desire was to be effective servants. Now, the, we know that we know the last chapter, man did God use them. <laughs> they, they kept sending out the missions. <laughs> they changed the world. A matter of fact, we're sitting in pews today reading product large, and following examples that God used uh, people that were members of this church to teach. See, this was the model. But what would have happened if Satan would have been effective and they wouldn't have got the answer and they would have been confused and they would not have known what truth was to be able to stand? The truth of the matter is this. It would have affected their lives, but it would have affected us. What value would there be for us to meet if we did not have the instruction manual to agree upon? Whose opinion are we going to talk about? It doesn't work, does it? See, my my whole point with this (laughs) really is this. Who does God want to use in missions? All of us. We didn't read it, it's in the passage. Everything that God did, He saved us for a purpose. Matter of fact, the text says it, to, to produce a people for His name. God saved you and me for a reason. It's for our life to be about bringing the glory to our Father. After all, whose example, whose example taught us that? What did Jesus say? You turn back time. One of the first references that we have of his life on earth, uh, other than a baby, he's about 12 years old. He's in the temple. His family leaves, thinking that he's with them on the way back home. They get home the next day and they realize, oops, he's not here. Remember what I'm talking about? And they went back and they found him in the temple and he's teaching the teachers and he makes an amazing statement. He said, "Wished ye not that I must be about what? My father's business. He said it in the garden, hours bef- literally less than 12 hours before he's paying the sin debt for the world on Calvary. He says, father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but what? But thine. His entire life was an example of putting the will of the father first. If I'm going to be a Christian, take the name of Christ, folks, I cannot be about my agenda. I've got to be about the Father's business. That's following the biblical example. How does that relate to us? That means we have some decisions to make this week. God saved you. If if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, God saved you for a purpose. Spending eternity in heaven is a wonderful byproduct, but he saved you for, for work to do here, too. And that is to be the salt and the light to the rest of the world that needs to be introduced to him. Will you allow God to touch your heart this week and be honest enough that if he reveals something to you that you need to deal with, would you deal with it? That's easy to say. Folks, that's where the rubber meets the road. If my life, if God's going to use my life to touch somebody, then I need to get me, I've got to be out of the way and let Jesus reach through me. This world doesn't need another Jerry. They need my God. Would you respond? If God tugs on your heartstrings, says you need to get something right, would you get it right? If God tugs on your heart and says, you know what? There's something that you know you need to be involved with this. You need to get busy. Would you yield that to him this week? See, as much as their decisions impacted them, but the end result was it's still impacting people, your decisions will do the same thing. There's somebody, somebody that your life needs to touch. We just heard a song, wonderful song. How can we reach a world we never touch? The truth is, until I come to the place where I want to follow Jesus' example, say, God, nevertheless, not my will, but thine, there's going to be people die all around us that I'm going to have to stand before God and answer for, and it doesn't have to be that way. What does God want you to do this week? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word Spirit of God, again, I ask that you would help us, that we would respond correctly to the Holy Spirit in our heart. God, to that still small voice at times. God, would we be obedient to what you have for us this week? God, There, it's possible. I, I would doubt it, but it's possible there's somebody here that's never come to the place where they put their faith and trust in you. Lord, the first area of obedience for them would simply be to acknowledge that they need you, to call upon you. God, I'm so thankful that salvation is available to everybody. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would be well pleased with our response this whole week, but specifically with this service. God, that we would follow the biblical example in responding to truth and wanting to base our life upon truth and impacting others with the truth the way that you're deserving of. Father, thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.